Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick, and my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. Courtney Elizabeth Bauer has spent her life understanding every innuendo of the body. She translated this body of work into a method entitled Anya. Through using a series of techniques such as micro-movements for alignment, energy work, and feeling their bones, people using this method rebalance their bodies and connect with their innate energy system. The method brings a voice to the body providing information to the user to heal and create a personal relationship between the body and mind. Today, we will discuss Courtney's path to this calling, how the metaphysical is imprinted into our body and nature, and how in the time of the COVID virus, it is crucial we begin our own personal investigation into our own healing powers. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Courtney, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So before we dive in, I would love if you could share with us your first experience of your body as a voice. I, I love this idea of that, that our body talks to us. And I, I want to get into our hands and our, our feet today because I feel like there's something really there. You, you posted something that I saw on Instagram that was really quite profound for me. But tell me, when did you start making this connection that your body wasn't just here to move you, but it actually has a voice? I think I first started to feel that when I was in massage school. I had been in graduate school studying psychology, so I had examined some of these questions about the mind-body connection, but more from an intellectual perspective. And when I finished graduate school, I just craved more. I wanted to kind of get under the skin of things, and I signed up for yoga school, Pilates school, and massage therapy school all in the same year. Nothing like go big or go home. (laughs) (laughs) Careful what you wish for. And I was catapulted into this visceral understanding of the things I had studied in graduate school. And massage school in particular really brought that forefront in my experience because it so was so much about touch. And during massage school, it was mandatory that we took, one of the courses that we took was meditation, which at the time was not my favorite. And I would sit in stillness and silence with the rest of my classmates, and I could swear that I was moving. And I I would open my eyes to try to like catch a glimpse, like almost like catch myself moving because I could feel myself moving. I was almost sure of it. Like maybe everybody in the room had stopped to actually stare at me. (laughs) (laughs) And the truth was when I opened my eyes, I wasn't moving. So then what was that? You know, it was that inner movement I felt that didn't express outwardly. 
And that kind of launched a whole journey inward to discover what this inner movement was about. And what I've learned since then is that inner movement has a voice. I mean, how, how beautiful is that? That the, the idea that the inner body does have this voice and it is connected if we want to listen to it. And so often we don't. I think we live in our head. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I was def- I've always been interested in humanity, what makes us tick, what motivates us, how do we heal, what keeps us stuck. All these questions have been interesting to me since I can remember. And so it made sense for me to go into a graduate program to study psychology and to become a psychotherapist. And yet there was something missing for me in that coursework. I remember being in my internship towards the end of the program, and we were, you know, finally had our chance to be working with clients and listening and then getting feedback from our, our supervision. And what was missing for me was, well, as I listened to people tell their story and share their heart, I had an overwhelming impulse to place my hand on their shoulder or to hold their hand. And sometimes I would be moved to tears. And that's not okay in that domain. That's not part of that profession. So I thought, well, where can I do that? <laughs> Within reason, you know, appropriately so, with proper boundaries and all that. Like, what, <laughs> what profession allows me to do that? Because uh, to hold all of that back, that response, just didn't make sense to me. Hmm. And so from that point, was that where you, so, to, so everyone knows, you've created a, a manual and a body of work called Anya, the Anya method. Is that, was that kind of the moment where you said, I, I need to go more into body and make that connection since I can't, obviously can't touch people in a, in a, in a psychotherapy kind of situation? Was that it for you? It definitely was a, one of a series of turning points. And I think going, electing to go to school, to yoga school, Pilates school, massage therapy school, and then travel to Thailand to study Thai massage, all of these choices were represented a quest for me. And definitely what I learned in graduate school about human behavior and the change process and therapeutic attending skills, all, all of those things that I learned have been enormously useful for me. But like I said, there was something else missing, and that led me on more of a quest. And all my experiences in those schools and learning about different healing modalities, I think, fed this desire to understand people, how to help, how to help myself, how to help others. And so when I studied all of these things, I, I started to recognize that there were commonalities in what all of these things were saying. And I didn't seek to bring those commonalities together in a new collection or method. It just kind of happened. Today, uh, you posted on Instagram about the connection with hands. And um, for those of you listening, Courtney is to, to follow her on Instagram. is just it's it's wonderful. There's so many beautiful insights, and you're such a wordsmith. And and 
I, 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 I just, it's always just, it's like, it's like a beautiful, um, I don't know, like sitting on a raft on a boat or a beautiful massage or like being in the garden of Eden to hear your, or a violin playing or a cello. It's, it's this, these beautiful words, Courtney, that come out, you know, it's like a, just this incredible song. So you were talking about hands and how uh, the Anya method that you created starts with hands and ends with hands. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Why the hands were so important to you? I, you know, and like I said in my post, I don't fully recall what inspired that or really a lot of these kind of passions that I've spent my life investigating. And at the same time, I would choose it again and again. Uh, the reason that I chose to begin the method with a focus on the hands and also just to let people know that the method goes through a body scan. So you're looking at one body part at a time to appreciate the whole body as one. Getting to know one body part at a time allows you to spend time building intimacy with that part of you. When you've built intimacy with each part of you, the invitation for these parts to come together as teammates and join forces as one uh, is more, in my opinion, more successful. So when you focus on one thing, you can really, you know, kind of love the one you're with and bring all your attention, all your love, all your intention to that one place. And so the body skin begins with the hands then moves to the feet and the legs and the hips and the rib cage and the shoulders, arms, neck, and head. And we always come back to the hands to create a full circle understanding. And the reason for that is that the hands are very personal. The hands express our truth. The hands are wired to all those nerve endings and from, you know, palmistry and astrological and Eastern medicine perspective, they're galactic. I mean, there's portals there. There's stars from heaven. I mean, there's a whole epic allegory occurring in the lines on our hands. But even more simple, you just watch someone when they're speaking, especially when they're speaking about something they care about. You'll see that the hands are very active. There was a time in my life where uh, I was teaching and I wanted to explore how important the hands were to me to make my point. So I took them away from my teaching tools and I sat on them. So while everyone was moving, I would sit very still with my hands underneath my butt so they wouldn't move. And it was ridiculously challenging. I did this for about six months. I taught about five times a week. In that six months, I sat still on my hands. And initially, I would get terrible headaches. Because there was like this pipeline that I had shut off as far as expression goes. But what happened was, one, an appreciation of how vital they are. And two, a rarification of how I use them when I'm expressing so that I'm not overdoing it. And lastly, it really helped me develop my verbal cues. But anyway, the idea that the hands are personal, it doesn't have to be an esoteric concept. It's visible anytime you observe someone speak from their heart and speak what matters. So I think that that is one of the reasons. Another reason is that the hands are frontline in touch. And touch, I mean, look how we use that word. We get 
We want to get in touch with someone. We want to get in touch with a topic. It means that we are connecting. And when we connect from that touch level, it's very honest and very personal. When we get in touch with ourselves from this personal level, the hands seem like a natural entry point. So how do you think during, you know, so we're recording this during a a quarantine and we've been in quarantine for three months now or however, since March 13th and it's today's uh, May 15th. So what is that? I don't know. That's three months, I think, right? March, April, two months. (laughs) But anyhow, (laughs) so I've lost track, right? It it does. It just gets (laughs) on. But what do you think about the fact that we can't, touch one another now like that we are physically being to touch to to you know today I was walking the dog a frisbee fell in front of me and I went to pick it up and I said I would normally get that for you but I can't I know that you probably don't want me touching that like how is what's that impact going to be on us or what has it already brought on will we will we find other ways or do you find it a necessity that we have to get back to our hands? As you're speaking, it dawns on me how the quarantine is similar to me sitting on my hands while teaching. And while that experiment for me brought out other resources, I hope in the best case scenario that this quarantine does the same for others and that touch has been taken away when it returns. But hope there is this robust embrace and welcoming back of what a privilege it is to be able to touch and connect in that way and how lovely and how personal and how real that is. And in the meantime, we can still use touch for our own healing. So hands-on yourself with regard to using touch to heal tension and to bring comfort, practice meditation. So there are still ways to bring touch into our lives I think that that is probably more important now than really it's ever been. Right. It did. You know, when it, today struck me when you were saying that last night I was focusing, I was missing my mom and I have the ability to, in my head, to feel if that makes sense. So it was, I was thinking of her. And when I was thinking of the last time I held her hand and I can physically feel that and I can physically feel hugging her and it just, I, I did, I felt like you said, like a, an, a much stronger um, sensation and, and the importance of it and how that is our, a portal to love, right? Um, we could also use our hands to hit, which is not love, um, the, you know, the opposite of, or to harm or to destroy, but there is so much incredible power that lies within them that I think that we often take for granted and don't recognize. You just said so many important things and when the hands play a symbolic and practical role in connecting us to our felt sense, to feeling. And we are very good at remembering feelings that are unpleasant. You know, so we're very good at remembering being hurt, remembering being resentful, remembering anger, remembering insecurity, like feelings that 
don't feel great, we're great at remembering. But then when you say something like, you know, you can remember your mother's touch and you can remember the feeling of her hand and you can remember that feeling of love. It sounds beautiful, like poetry, almost something magical and elevated. And yet we're good at remembering feelings, but why haven't we focused yet on remembering feelings like you just mentioned? And so the hands are these frontline students and conductors. Anything that they experience can be recorded in your mind and certainly logged in your imagination. If a feeling has been recorded and logged in your heart, in your mind, in your imagination, you can call upon it, replicate it at any time. So the hands kind of give us permission to feel our way into memory, curate the feelings that we want to collect within ourselves. So that brings me to, and I do want to get to the feet because I think the feet are important as well. And I'm not sure why. So I, and that's what I love about our conversations is that things will come to me. I have no idea what it means, but I know you will. So I, remind me to come back. <laughs> I love our relationship. It's like, tell me, tell me about the feet. But before we go there, you just said something to me. So then we, it made me think of today, I was also practicing on listening about being in the present, right? But then when we go into our imagination or we go back to memories or when we, oftentimes when we create, I envision something that is definitely happening in the future and I see it, but yet we're told to stay present. What, what do you feel about that alchemy? Like, what have you learned? I would love to understand your point of view on that. To stay present, the hands and the breath are lifelines. They're anchors. So let the mind expand beyond limitation. Let your imagination come front and center and then stay present with feeling your breath, feeling where your hands are in space on your body, feeling the air move around your fingers, noticing where your touch is. So there's a simultaneity that occurs from the expansion of allowing your mind to be free, spacious allowing for the imagination to be unlegislated and at the same time staying in the moment, staying in time while you peruse the timeless possibilities, noticing your touch and things like your breath. It's interesting because, um, you know, there's a lot of theories around doing, you know, different type of experiences, um, whether they're trance or meditative or shamanic and that you can move into such an altered expansion in the process of those kind of things and those kind of rituals that it's difficult to land back into reality. And that transition has been thought to be sort of navigated and negotiated by noticing where your hands are. So there's something about the hands and the present moment and being in this body and this name and form, owning the personal you as you also celebrate the universal you just through touch and your hands. 
something to definitely sit and I, I'll have think about how, you know, I do. I love that though, that they're anchors, that our hands are anchors. What, what then do you think are our feet are because I think they're absolutely portals. I don't know why there was a time I was going through something, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago. And I remember saying to you, I need, I have to focus on my feet. There's something very important there that I need a massage. I, <laughs> I, right. <laughs> Even though, I mean, okay, come on. A massage feels great on the feet, but I felt at that time. And so I saw that is my body as a voice. I didn't know what I was going through. I knew I was going through stuff, but it felt like the work needed to be on my feet. So therefore, everywhere I went, I, you know, when I had a massage or did something, it was a focus on the feet. What do you think my body was telling me then? Well, you're definitely, you're definitely onto something. I mean, just all the nerve endings in the hands and feet alone would be enough of a justification for that. And then the whole art of reflexology and that point from the hands and the feet relay your nerve circuits to other parts of the body too. So you can, you know, press on one part of the foot or the hand and be speaking to an organ or a part of your brain or a bone. So it's sort of like a one-stop shop, like a gallery of all you are, all in one concise place. If the hands are sort of the eyes of the felt sense, I would say that the feet are the ears and the feet listen. They listen not to a conversation, perhaps in words, but of vibration and pulsation. They listen to the earth and they do have a portal. It's thought that the portal at the center of the sole of the foot connects deeply into the earth and creates a pipeline from the earth up to the crown of the head and perhaps beyond. So they too are anchors, probably more literally than the hands are. And they anchor us into this journey, this earth walk, I've heard it be called before, which I think is perfect. They anchor us into this earth walk in this name and form. They are the first thing to touch the earth every step we take while we're here on the planet. And for most of the day, and for most of us, maybe as much as 98% of the day, they are the foundation of our entire body. They're what we stand on. So when you make strides aligning the feet, you make strides aligning the entire skeletal system, the entire nervous system. So they're a perfect place to begin with regard to healing because they hold the entire story. If with so many people in fear, anxiety, grief, sadness, anger, you name it, how can we incorporate your method, the Anya method, right, of our body as a voice into healing? How can we, how can we, how can we self-heal, Courtney, with whatever we're going through at this moment? I think, I mean, what I appreciate about this approach to healing or meditation or movement is that it's very easy to take it with you in your mind and on the go. So whatever it is that you're facing, whether it's physical, emotional, practical, whatever it is that is coming up for you, it's not always a guarantee that you're going to have time to roll out your mat, put on a video or, you know, before the quarantine, go to a studio, et cetera, et cetera, 
and have an hour, an hour and a half to do your workout every day or however many days a week. And sometimes the roadblocks to getting onto the mat or doing your workout or doing your healing routine can add up. And next thing you know, it's been a few days, a few weeks, a few months since you've done anything to really care for yourself. So what I wanted to do was sort of circumnavigate all of the roadblocks and figure out an approach that would be easy and accessible to go with you, stay with you. Because even someone who's working out religiously every day, there's still however many hours more that they're not. And change really happens through doses, but also immersion and a real willingness to take on new circuitry and new wiring. And that is a commitment. So how do you get that done while you have a heap of other things to do too? So this type of meditation is something that uh, I hope is easy to practice and that can show up for you wherever you are and with whatever you have on and whatever is going on. Because it's simply uh, focusing on this one body part at a time, most basic, it's just reciting in your mind nine body parts that are all easy to remember. If you don't remember them, you can skip it until it becomes a habit where you're thinking about your hands, your feet, your legs, your hips, your ribs, your shoulders, arms, neck, and head. And then maybe while you're thinking of one place at a time, you breathe or not because you've been breathing 20,000 times a day anyway. So you've already been doing that great. But to really consciously breathe while you focus on a body part is surprisingly powerful. And then you add on a little bit of movement. So while you're thinking about your hands and also noticing your breath, you move the hands a little bit. And I would suggest a few ways to do that, but certainly we all know how to move them. Circle the wrist, tap the fingers, friction the hands together. Um, And so my method offers these different little movements, these different little exercises that help bring attention to these body parts while you think about them and while you breathe to them. And what happens when you go through the whole system, either one body part at a time or all of them in a nice sequence, is that it brings vitality to the body part and to the entire body. It brings better circulation. It eases tension. It releases stress. And it allows you to have this journey inward where you're getting to know all these places within. And as you get to know a place, just like as you get to know a person, you start to understand their voice, what they need, what they crave, what they desire, what hurts them, what lights them up. And so you develop a friendship, you develop rapport, you build a bridge between the mind and the body in a very direct way. So this method, I, I think, is extra important in a time like now because it removes the roadblocks of why we can't take care of ourselves. Because this type of approach is something that's easy, doesn't take a lot of time. You can do it anywhere. And the rewards of it are too good to pass on. Yes, it's simple. The, the healing from it's incredible. I, I think. You know, for 
One of the first classes that I took after when I was able to was, was your heel class. And it was these series of simple movements that were just incredible. And I think that, you know, it, it, you know, just like you said, just by a simple movement, and we all think that we have to be so invested into our, um, our routines, right? That it has to be an hour of yoga or uh, 30 minutes of meditation. And that's not the case, right? Right. That's not, I mean, it can be. I mean, my goodness, if you enjoy 30 minutes or an hour, or you're a very regimented person that likes to do your workout every morning at 6 a.m. or what, gosh, whatever your style is, amazing. And this approach can still be good for you. So it's like, it will fill in the gap for those that maybe don't have that regular routine and then maybe feel some procrastination and guilt and roadblocks around that. And at the same time, if you do have a routine, it's an extra 10 minutes at the beginning or the end and you get good at it. And the next level is to integrate it into your workout. Why not while you're in warrior to bring little movements into your hips because the sure thing is is that while you're doing a yoga pose or while you're cycling on a spinning bike or while you're doing your Pilates 100 there's still these little movements that you can apply while you do your workout that will add benefit to what you're doing I love it I I started when um uh, fidgeting, you know, how we tell children, don't fidget, don't do that. And then I, I stopped telling my son to do that and allow him to do it because it's moving energy, right? A hundred percent. I mean, that was the, that was the real inspiration for this method. I mean, I didn't necessarily know it at the time, but I became really fascinated in fidgeting and watching myself fidget, watching others fidget really because, you know, I was actually dating a lot at the time. <laughs> and, you know, you meet people, you meet new people, and everybody's got these idiosyncratic quirks that they have no idea that they're doing it. Like, how does this person not know that their right leg is like a motor under the table? They're like moving the entire table with their right leg, and they have no idea. And so that fascinated me because that right leg motor, for example, that is a powerful amount of energy that doesn't know what to do or where to go. So if we can tap into this sort of animal intelligence, this innate capacity to move energy or offload stress or to express the inner voice that we don't know how to speak, if we can tap into that energy and, and sort of not necessarily groom it, but modulate it, then we have now tapped into a power source. So, okay. But so what if someone has that? So say someone has that, you know, that, that leg thing, right? You know, the legs just going, <laughs> you know, right. But the then they leg. don't, the motor leg, thank you. But they don't have the consciousness of, they've never even taken a yoga class. They don't meditate. Like, how would that person, how would you guide them to moving that energy and understanding well, that source of power? Yeah. Moving the energy is kind of like, you know, a little bit more advanced. That's, a type of transmutation where it's like that's where you're starting to dabble in a you know practical type of alchemy, so to speak. 
for that person, um, since we are made of energy, these trillions of cells that create who we each are are made of energy. So we're never at a loss of energy, but we our energy can get blocked. So the person that's got the motor leg that doesn't necessarily have that conscious awareness yet on how to move it and transmute it, they need a release. So these type of little movements will help unstuck that energy. So there's some peace of mind. Because when we're motoring like that, it's a rev. It's a rev type energy that creates for a lot of us angst and anxiety. And maybe you can spin us around silly and maybe become a type of depression. I mean, motoring like that without knowing it is exhausting without any productivity, really, except for motoring the leg. It's like this creative energy that, how sad, like didn't know what to do. So before we can learn to, you know, elevate it, transmute it, move it around, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it's really initially about offloading the excess tension and stress, the gibberish, very reverentially, you know, not judging it, not shaming it for gosh. I mean, shame and blame are never going to grow anything. I call that the BS cycle, blame, shame, two sides of the same coin. They don't grow anything. So it's not about that, you know, it's not being embarrassed or any of that. It's just that this is like, actually we honor like, wow, that is amazing creative energy. And when I get good at this conscious sort of mind-body connection game, I'm going to know where to put that. But right now, I, it's too much for me to hold, so I'm going to release it. And you shake, you do a leg shake, or you do something that, you know, I call the chicken dance, or these it's like little fidget-like movements that help the energy find equilibrium. Wow. So, okay, so call me crazy, but I do see that you, psychology, your your degree in in insight, you know, in psychology mixed with this could create just so much. I, I can see a, a, a class or a, or a new form <laughs> of therapy that we go to, right? So then when we talk, when you sit and you, because that's one of the things, right? You sit with your therapist and you talk. And then a lot of times, I mean, where it can come out in the hands and it can come out in the tear ducts, right? You cry, but like to actually bring that movement in when you're discussing something. I don't know, Courtney, I feel like that could be a next step. What do you think? <laughs> oh, I think it, I mean, I think it's already happening, I hope. And certainly yeah. when you start to explore this method or this approach to meditation and movement, it's definitely a part of the process. You know, I can remember I went to a behavior therapist when I was in college. So I was dealing with some anxiety and I've always been really good at articulating insight and understanding kind of the nuts and bolts of why. So I sat down and I was very impressed with myself when he asked me about, you know, my, my life, et cetera. I gave him like a, a succinct uh, synopsis of all the X, Ys, and Zs that I felt were contributing to my current anxiety. And, you know, I expected him to praise me and be like, wow, that is so insightful. And instead he said to me, notice your breath. And I was like, what? I mean, I thought maybe he was speaking in German or Russian or some language I didn't understand. Because like, what, is that what you're going to say after I just gave you this incredible synopsis of my life? <laughs> I almost walked out. And he revealed to me that I, while I was giving that insightful synopsis, I was reverse breathing, which means that when I was inhale, my belly was coming in. And when I exhale, my belly was going out. 
corset that was very invasive for him to tell me. (laughs) 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 And he was entirely right. And in one sense, maybe a bit much to, to share because you can't change reverse breathing overnight. So now I walked away, like really needing to go back, which of course I didn't because I didn't understand why breathing had anything to do with my life. Um, So, yes, of course it has everything, the body, the breath. I mean, it's all inexorably, invisibly, impossibly connected eternally. And to dissect that is a bit much. That's by starting one body part at a time and doing it as this new practice or curiosity allows you time to get to know the voice that's within because there are many voices. And yet there's one unified voice or magnetic resonance that is each of us. But the memories that are associated with each part of the body take on different resonance. The goal is to unify that resonance so that there's harmony. But for most of us, unless we've really delved into this, there's more, initially there's a lack of harmony and a, and a real need for a liaison to go around the kingdom, so to speak, interviewing each of the parts, joining forces so that you really feel a direct connection, not as a concept, but as a feeling, a direct connection to being a whole person. I, I'm just going to leave it with that. That was beautiful, Courtney. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I always, that- I feel like Talking to you is such a so decadent for me, you know, to have this time where I'm able to just wax on about all of these concepts that I love so dearly and to have you take what I say and help it make sense and tie it together and lead to different questions is such a profound gift. Oh, well, that, that was just beautiful what you said. I, I'm going to replay it and I'm going to sit. And think about it and your ability to connect it all is just, it's a gift and it's something I'm, I feel incredibly grateful to have you in my life. So I want to uh, thank you for that. And I, I, can you tell us, I mean, the, the, the last thing, actually, there's one more thing, but I want to know what it is that keeps you going. Like, what is your why? I asked myself that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I had it, I had a beautiful yoga studio in the city for 10 years. I've taught hundreds of teachers to teach this method. And yet I feel like I haven't even begun yet. And I often ask myself, why do I feel that? But I don't get very far with that question because the feeling is so intense for me that to ask why seems kind of ridiculous. If somewhere in me knows why and also doesn't need to know why. And it's that what I come up with is that what I have to share, it's not well known enough yet. Not because I want it known so that I have a name around it or that my ego gets recognition. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with a new spirit of consciousness that regards the body as an instrument, as an ally as a voice and as a conduit for our intuition. And so these little movements that I've kind of boiled them down to being, I feel like that's a game changer for people. 
not only to become more aligned in their body, but to align the mind and body in a way that creates receptivity for intuition. I play on the team of the intuitive arts, I guess, and wanting to connect people to that voice that is their heart, that is their soul, that is their intuition, and showing them that the body can help them arrive there. I feel, are you familiar with Eric Fromm? No. So his work just came, I wasn't either, but came to me recently. And I, of course, then ordered, you know, when you know. And so then I got five of his books. (laughs) And his connection, though, is what it's, he's a psychologist. He was a psychologist. He died in the 80s. But he connected that as well, saying that process and that the ultimate, though, is love, right? It's that process and of having what we, you know, our work, our process, but to bring it to love because it all comes down to just love, right? I think, I think at the end of the day, yes. You know, and and yet we've known so many of these virtues and insights since the beginning of time, and yet something's missing on for us to land them wholeheartedly on the day to day. I mean, not for everybody. There's many that have, and certainly more that are awakening. But there's something that we're missing, something that we're we haven't tapped into yet. Yes. So that's, I'm not saying that my method or the Anya method is what's missing, but I think it's one of those elements. It's one of the elements that yokes together some of the amazing work that's already been done and brings it to a new level. Well said. Well, thank you, Courtney. How, how can you please tell us how we can find you and, and learn more about the Anya method and your work? Yes, absolutely. I am. Um, I'm on Instagram, so I'm Courtney Bauer Yoga on Instagram, so please check me out there. I post and do stories, and I share about the method through Instagram. I'm happy to receive direct messages with any questions, and I really enjoy that. I'm also building a website that will be CourtneyBauerYoga.com, and I'll be offering my meditations and some self-healing tutorials, as well as live classes. Uh, on that website. So stay tuned. Wonderful. I, I for one, am, am very excited to have that, that portal to go to. So thank you so much. Thank you for being the change, Courtney, and for being on today. My pleasure. Thank you for everything that you're doing to make the world a better place. Oh, well, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc. And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. That's bethechange.nyc. Thank you and be well.